Welcome to Saki. Sons of bitches. That's you. <laughs> Talk the podcast for the mediabyus.com. With me today is Chris. Hello. TJ. Hi. Brent. Hello. And my name is David. We're doing the format a little bit differently to give you more pods per week. So we're going to talk about what we've been watching and then the the uh, some movie and TV news. And then we'll have a podcast later in the week that's going to be follow up on our homework. It was a foreign movie, so we had a lot of extension <laughs> with it. We had to translate it into English. I finished it 20 minutes ago. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Well earned extension. Yeah, and then conclude with the main topic, uh, and we'll talk about that more in uh, the next podcast. But for today, what we've been watching in the news. What's in the news? And let us uh, also let us know how you feel about the splitting it up, too. Like, let, let us know how you listeners feel, if you like it, if you think it's a good switch. Yeah, we've heard your complaints that our podcasts are too long. I think we agree that they're too long. Yeah. So now we're splitting it up into two chunks, easily digestible, little cuts of steak of our big man meat. There you go. <laughs> and I, I felt like our podcasts were unlistenable, but mainly because I hate the sound of my own voice. <laughs> so do we. All right. That being said, we're going to talk first about what we've been watching this past uh, this past week. And we're we're happy that TJ's joining us again. In the mini mini episode last week, uh, TJ was fighting the good fight again. <laughs> On assignment at my house. Yep. On assignment at his house. But uh, yeah, what we've we been watching. Anyone want to kick it off with a tasty groove? Uh, I'll go. This is weird. I'll never go first. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, okay, I watched a handful of movies. Uh, I continued with my very slow trek through Alfred Hitchcock land and uh, watched one of his last movies from 1972, Frenzy. Frenzy. Hmm. Heard of that? I've never seen it. How'd you like it? It was uh, a little weird, you know, unsettling. There's some rape and very macabre nudity in the movie, which is unlike other Hitchcock movies. In the 70s, right? That's yeah. pretty late. So it's, I think it's the first one. It's the only Hitchcock movie with with a good bit of nudity huh. in it. The protagonist in the movie is like wrongly accused of being the serial killer. It's kind of about. It's not a mystery because you find out who the serial killer is in the first like ten minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's just about him trying to uh, evade his getting captured and, and getting thrown in jail for life because of it. It was it was decent, but not like Hitchcock great. Doesn't really compare to 40s, 50s, 60s Hitchcock? No. No. So anyway, I would only recommend that if, if you just love Hitchcock. And you just want to you feel like a completionist, maybe. I do. Yeah. Uh, everything else I watched were rewatches. Uh, 1994 Clerks. Clerks. We watched Clerks for the first time in several years. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. I think I don't like that movie as much as I did when I was 20 or so. I could yeah. see that. <clears throat> but I still like it. It's, yeah. it's funny to me. It's just, I don't know. It's I, not quite I've never really liked the character of Dante for so whatever Dante's, reason. Well, like, I, I know he's 
kind of the one, if there's one you gotta like, it's him. Yeah, he's the normal guy. And I've yeah. never, he always just came across like a sleazeball to me for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, I, Maybe I, it's the goatee. Yeah. I, like I think it's like, it's just, a, it really is just like, I don't think it's anything he says. Also, he's not a great, it's not a great performance. No. Him in that movie. Also, it's kind of Kevin Smith writing himself, and Kevin Smith is kind of a sleazeball. Yeah, sure. Not a sleazeball, but he comes off that way. This just seems very 90s, like the main character was a put upon a white guy. It's like, why is all this stuff happening to me? Yeah. Kind of in hindsight, it's like, yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Randall. I mean, Randall steals the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the best character in the movie. I, I love, still love his little sachet he does. Yeah. The, ra- <laughs> the yeah. Randall. This is, a, this is a visual podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm nailing it right now. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, and then uh, after that, I watched my one of my Desert Island draft pick movies. Oh. Uh, I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, damn. Uh, which is uh, <laughs> as great as it ever was. I was really hoping that you would have watched. Uh, what is it? Like, Jaguar Lives. Jaguar Lives. Jag- oh, or Jaguar Lives. I totally would have watched Jaguar Lives. Or Jaguar Lives. If somebody listening knows where to find that movie, let us know. Because I would enjoy <laughs> us watching it as a main topic and dissecting bad kung fu movies. It's possible it's sealed away in the warehouse at the end of Radars. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> like that. I don't know if the timeline works out, but it's, it's possible. It's a DVD copy that he just kind of slings into the box with the arc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Safe storage. Yeah. Is that it for you, pretty much? Oh, uh, yeah, there's TV as well. Yeah. Um, uh, watch the fourth episode of The Handmaid's Tale, and uh, it continues to be a great show. Fun. And a real downer. Are they hour, hour long-ish? Yeah. How many episodes are in the first? Or is it just a miniseries? I don't know how long the first season is going to be. There are ten? All, that sounds about right, I think. But they're doing the, the, the Hulu thing of releasing a chunk of episodes mm-hmm. and then releasing them week by week. We talked about it last week. I kind of like that model a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting so I can binge it. Yeah. Just to get your misery in and all at once. Yeah. So yeah I have, have one Sunday. Decided like, if I'm going to watch it or not. I, don't know. I would say it's definitely worth it for Elizabeth Moss's performance. It's it's one of those performances already. I can tell like this is going to be like one of those. If we ever talk about greatest TV performances and roles. Get some, get some Emmy love, you think, there? I, probably? I think she probably will. Nice. Uh, kind of hoping Carrie Coon's not nominated in the same category as uh, Elizabeth mm. Moss because I feel like my girl Carrie might lose. Other than that, the only thing new I've watched uh, since since the last pod was uh, Latest Survivor. I've been saying it since the Varner meltdown that Zeke had a short yeah. shelf life on the show just yeah. because when that moment happened a month ago, Zeke became unbeatable at the finals and right. I think everybody in the game knew it. Yeah. So it was just a matter of Somebody had to take him out at some point. And to Andrea's credit, she did it at the perfect time because he was coming after her next week. Yep. He was he was plotting that. So, uh, great move from Andrea, who I was listening to another podcast from an, from old survivors Traitor. that, uh, yeah, they, 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 it was a three hour podcast about this one episode. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the guest was Cochran, who came on earlier in the season mm-hmm. to talk to Deb. He was saying that uh, he thinks Andrea might be one of the most well-rounded Survivor players ever. Not necessarily like most fun to watch, but just she's good at challenges. She's good socially, and she's good strategically. And she doesn't go overboard in any of the three areas to the point 
at least this season. Mm-hmm. She doesn't go overboard in any of those three areas to the point where people feel the need to get rid of her. Although, I think we're starting to get to the stage where people might identify her as a, yeah. a threat to win. It's getting late enough in the game, though, where she might be able to escape that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's also pointing out what Sari does really well, which I'm interested to watch uh, as it goes on. And Sari does what Cochran said he used to try to do, which is reinforce the qualities that people like about themselves. And he says one example of that is Sari calling... She refers to Sarah as Officer Sarah. Mm-hmm. He thinks it plays heavily into Sarah being really proud of being a cop. It's not a mocking name or anything like no, that. No, she's it's just said lovingly, yeah. That's why everybody seems to like Sari. And that's how she... She's done extremely well this game in the past. She's never won. And, and the way that she... I was really surprised by Michaela last episode... That finally showed some dynamic aspects of her. I didn't watch the Gen X versus Millennials, but apparently she was really good at the physical challenges and stuff then. Mm-hmm. But but seeing her actually shine and actually really excel at the physical challenges, mm-hmm. it's you're talking about how well rounded Andrea is. She is the worst rounded person. She is really good at the physical challenges. She is really poor at the social stuff and Sari has got her under her wing. People debate the well, you you're, you need expendable people for votes. And Ceres just massing people like that. Yeah. So, you know, the stretch run has begun, so to speak, on Survivor. And this this round of the final vote will be fun anyway because everybody's good. That's on the show. Yeah. There's no bad players on the it's show. It's also interesting because we have a lot of people who haven't really had a shot to shine in this stage of the game before because right. Tony and Sandra would have been people who, like, would be kind of dominating this group if they were still in the game. They would just be, not, not in gameplay, but as a presence in the game. Mm-hmm. There's not really a presence that's looming large over the game anymore. Especially now that now that Zeke's gone, I think there's... Zeke was the closest. Yeah. yeah, and since Culpepper's started to kind of take a backseat, well, he seem... he had a like monologue two or three episodes ago where he was like, "I'm starting to figure out what I was doing wrong." The yeah, last times I was here. Yep, and I kind of need to like just blend in. He's played a good game. Yeah, the yeah. last time he played, he was kind of a loud mouth buffoon. And he was that way the first part of this season anyway. Yeah, and yeah. he had that moment where he was like, "Wait." Yeah, yeah. Why am I doing this again? And and like, it kind of shows through in some of his confessionals still because he'll say like. I've got this game figured out. I did this, this, and this to doesn't matter which alliance I'm going to get dragged through. Where I don't know how much agency he has yet, but it'll be fun to see. I also am curious to see how much the jury is going to weigh game-changing and big plays into their decision. Because that's kind of the theme of, of I think this, this jury is going to be a great jury. Just because I think they all respect the game for whatever that's yeah. worth. I think Zeke will make a great jury member. I think so far, the, the only two people who are going to be petty about their votes are going to be like Michaela and Debbie. But Debbie might not be. I don't know. But Michaela for sure, I think. I get the feeling that a lot of Debbie's character on the show was sort of, uh, I'm aware that I make good television. Uh, and I, th- I could see Debbie being way more reasonable. But then again, she may also think at the final tribal council, I make good television and be, right. you know, vocally petty. Yeah, her first day on the jury, she threw the double birds at the at the castaways. Yeah. yeah. Called them idiots, too. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't get to see Debbie's awesome bathing suit anymore. That sick fucking tiger onesie. That thing was <laughs> awesome. And we'll see about Michaela. She got voted out last season, the last episode before the merge. Yeah. Right? I think, so I think that's right. It'll be so interesting this will be to her see first her. jury if she gets voted out. She got voted out last season specifically just because she started emerging as a as too good of a player. Physically and loudly strategically, too. And she got totally blindsided by the guy who ended up winning. It was the angriest I've ever seen anybody walk off from travel. She was cussing the entire time. Oh, yeah. They didn't trust her. They, they didn't trust her. They thought she was going to flip on him, and she wasn't. Right. And that's why she was, she was like, legitimately upset because they just they yeah. thought she might flip on them. 
And so they flipped on her instead. Also, just for Zeke and Michaela, it's crazy what they did. They only, I think they only had like two weeks at home in between seasons. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Zeke lost so much weight. And it makes sense now that he only had two weeks at home because he just his weight loss just was continuing. I don't know what shape he was in before, but I remember, I remember when he like when he left, it was just like Jesus, like his he didn't have like the doughy face anymore. Yeah, started to get lean. Yeah, it's a pretty good season. It's a, an above average season so far. I would not put it as like all time great season, but it's a it's a good season. It's yeah, a, it's a fun one to jump back in on. That's well, it for me. Well, David, since you didn't get to talk much there, do you want to go next? <laughs> sure. As far as uh, what I've been watching in terms of movies, I kind of caught up on some stuff from some sequels from last year <laughs> to different effects. I saw uh, finally Captain America: Civil War, catching up on my Marvel. What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah. Part of it was kind of generic. Yeah. Kind of copy paste a little bit. There's some parts of actual inspiration in there. Like the I think the big scene is the airport scene. Yeah. It's like yeah, all the character you, stuff uh, is cool, but it yeah. couldn't have happened at a more gray, yeah. generic location. Yeah. Like no sense of place or geography at that airport. Right. They kind of just keep generating new parts of the airport for the scene. I almost said it doesn't really feel that real. Anything <laughs> with uh, <laughs> where the Incredible Hulk exists. <laughs> Uh, the two best things in the movie for me, which is uh, good for Marvel going forward, and this is kind of catching up on the discussion from a year ago, is uh, Tom Holland as Spider-Man is great. Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther is also great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And makes me excited about those two properties going forward. Yeah. yeah. To mention another one of uh, Brent's draft picks, Black Panther. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the through line for our entire podcast going forward. They'll have to tell us how it is. You get the second viewing of Scott Lang, too, in Civil War, which is fun. Ant-Man. Yeah, he's... I'm excited he's, about the Ant-Man he's good sequel, that. Ant-Man and Wasp, I guess yeah. is that what it's called. Will that be next year, probably? I think, yeah, I think it is 2018. Paul Rudd did that as Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, essentially. <laughs> Scott Lang's not a character, it's just Paul Rudd playing Ant-Man. I just like yeah. the universe kind of going bigger, where you have Spider-Man and uh, the Ant-Man, both like, these guys are obviously some of the most famous people in the world. The movie, like, treats them like that. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man's like, oh my god, it's it's Tony Stark, and right. Ant-Man's like, such a honor. <laughs> yeah, this is Ant Man is on my watch list for this past week. I rewatched it, and it's it's fun for that reason because he's like, we gotta steal this thing or the world's gonna end. And Paul Rudd's like, sounds like we should call the Avengers. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? <laughs> Just real funny for a connected universe. It's, sometimes it seems for those like uh, single character movies, it's like they have to do it by themselves. Yeah. It's like you got you're in a universe with <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but I, I think the the alternative is bad where Tony Stark is in every fucking Marvel movie. Well, they make they they make fun of him in Ant-Man or Hank yeah. Pym does where it's like this isn't some just like metal suit I made. Yeah. Like, this is science. This is this is crazy shit. Uh the other sequel I saw was uh, Neighbors 2: Sorority Rising. Nice. <laughs> Watched it last night. Really liked the first one. The second one was basically the first one but not as good. It's got moments of hilarity and yeah. This guy moments. Yeah. I continue to think Zach Efron is such an underrated comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like just really funny. Yeah. Super charming. The physical comedy of him in the uh in the garage when they when he hits the uh, hits the thing. It's I forget the, the specifics of it. He's like trying yeah. to jump on an airbag to get That's what the it ceiling. is. Airbag, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, reference to the first they're like airbags again from the first one. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much the exact same movie though. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I kind of like tuned out. Sadly, the I don't think any of the sorority characters are that interesting. Nah. So kind of tuned out until I saw my boy Zachy again on screen. My favorite part was still Billy Eichner song in the house. I mean, I just think Billy Eichner's hilarious. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's pretty funny. <laughs> and then most of what I did was I watched uh, TV shows 
as I want to do. Some stuff that finished was, uh, and I want to get this right, I think it's called Feud. Yes, Feud. not Duel, which is what TJ always calls it. I, I think that it's, yeah, I think that it's uh, Duel, but that's a, uh, I even wrote down in my notes, I watched Duel. I did not watch Duel. I like that we both do it at least. But it's, it's really good, especially if you're into old Hollywood. It's on the DVR, we're waiting for the moment, but. You like it? Yep. Nice. It's great seeing uh, old, semi-old Betty Davis and Jordan Crawford, and there's like several episodes. It's right in my sweet spot, like leading up to the Oscar nomination day. I was going to ask like, if they, at touched the Oscars. If they touched on that, where like Jordan Crawford was set to accept for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. There's an entire episode around it. Nice. I was That's just, awesome. I was just eating it up. That's a really Brent and Chris. Anybody else who likes read about the Oscar stuff? That's a really fun Wikipedia page to, to go through. Who was it? Who's the actress? Anne Bancroft. Anne Bancroft wasn't going to be there and like set it up for Joan Crawford to accept the Oscar for her, essentially. And she just uses the moment to like put more spotlight on her and say, fuck you to Betty Davis. It's, it's a really fun little moment. Betty Davis from the same movie yeah. that they were both in. And mm-hmm. She kind of, Joan Crawford kind of goes out to all of the actresses, which yeah. is kind of, kind of fun. Yeah. But that was fun. I also saw uh, from beginning to end the show uh, Dear White People. It's a Netflix show. Yeah. Came cool. out. A lot uh, of controversy. That's last Friday. That's on my list. That we've, I'm uh, four episodes in. Gotcha. Yeah, I saw all ten. Yeah, I kind of like the... It's got a rotating uh, main character perspective. Yeah, like Game of Thrones. That's yeah, what like, I, That's what I was comparing it to. Game of thrones <laughs> I'd say my favorite episode, you've only seen four, yeah. is the fifth one. <laughs> you little bitch. How many have you seen? Ten? My favorite is the eleventh. But the fifth one is directed by Barry Jenkins, and it's very good. Oh, neat. Who's the character that they follow? Uh, yeah, Reggie. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's the first Reggie. Yeah. The what's first. The, what's the premise? The premise is that they're at this, uh, like, white bread Ivy League school, like, private school, I think. Yeah. That has a dorm that is predominantly or only African American. And leading up to this, there's a person who has a radio show who is, uh, you know, convincing the campus to be woke and be aware of minority issues coming up across this like uh national lampoon national lampoon for that place called pastiche and they had a thought to do a uh blackface party yeah that that actually happens and kind of sparks a racial tension and uh, hostility throughout the school and the show starts there yeah and it's just kind of intersection of people at like black student union and people at uh at pastiche, people with the newspaper. I love yeah. college shows. Yeah. There's something about like characters that just can hang out, spend the entire day thinking about stuff and go off together. That's kind of such a college thing. Yeah. And for anyone who criticized the show as being like, oh, it's just gonna like shit on white people, like it's such a stupid concept, like dear black people will get like turned down. Like it does not shy away from criticizing black culture as much as white culture. Like it's satir- it's I know it's it's a little cliche to say that it satirizes, it satirizes everything. So you know, it, not targeting one, yeah, so yeah, it should get a pass. But it really, oh, yeah. really it, does. It definitely skewers the everyone needs to be woke mindset and yeah. like the holier than thou kind of crusading thing, uh-huh. almost as hard as the other side. Yeah, I think it's very even handed and it's very shallow controversy that happened. And, and like, I feel it's like always a lot of that controversy was just off the damn title. It was and it's so yeah. frustrating. It was a movie beforehand, but going to Netflix. Yeah. I guess it's a different audience. Yeah. But, like, one of the most sympathetic characters is the, or at least so far, is the editor-in-chief at Pastiche. The guy who is the supposed ringleader of the blackface party. And he's uh-huh. kind of painted as a put-upon, like, a, you know, all the social pressers just stuck trying to defend an indefensible position. Yeah. And the the, the show takes a lot of, a lot of uh, time to look at 
like some white characters who are caught in interesting positions. Like yeah. there's Gabe, the TA. Yeah. He's a white guy. There's like the editor of the newspaper that's kind of trying to expose all this stuff. I think he may be Hispanic, but... He's, a, he's, he's half Italian, half Mexican. There you go. Half Italian, <laughs> half Mexican. <laughs> but it, it, it's, I think it's a really good show. It's really funny, and it really takes uh, some issues seriously that are you know worth talking about. And really kind of takes some issues that are very intense discussions and kind of pokes fun at them in an appropriate way. Absolutely. And also has some satisfying kind of uh, soap opera stuff to it, too. Yeah. Some, like, triangles where it's just, you know, that kind of stuff's just entertaining. It's good television. And it's well acted. Yeah, like, all the characters are really good. It is, you know, subject neutral. It is a, a good show. Well acted. You know, plot drives. Mm. And the plot device of it is the first three days following the blackface party or the first week just told from every different character's perspective is is really interesting. Yeah, I like the kind of stuff. You see, like, an argument from the other side, what led up to that. Yeah. It's uh, real interesting. Cool. And that's about it for me. That's it? Well, I'm going to butt in here, TJ, if you don't mind. Yeah, good. Pretty short, since a couple of mine were already covered. Watched two movies this week. I watched Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Um, for anyone listening who doesn't know, I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. So I was looking forward to this movie in as much as people have told me that it is a terrible movie. What is it? Ghostbusters Answer the Call. What is that? <laughs> um, the girl Ghostbusters. Yeah. What? Why? Why is it called Ghostbusters Answer the Call? Because that's the title of the movie. It's just called Ghostbusters. It's called Ghostbusters Answer the Call. I think, I think, is it's, it? I think it's like an Edge of Tomorrow. Live yeah. Die Repeat. Live thing. Die Repeat. Yeah. Really? So I think originally it was just called Ghostbusters, and then as it made made its rounds to DVD and streaming, it has. Oh, I was become... so. I thought it was like an animation thing you were talking no. about. Because when I saw it in the theaters, it was just Ghostbusters. Well, the the, the title card says Ghostbusters. Answer the call. <laughs> I think it's like I, a. I don't I, remember. I think that. it's like a live die repeat thing. I don't think it's actually part of the title, but I think it, it might have been added later. Huh. Well, would you rather me call it Ghostbusters 2015? 16, I, if you're going to use it. 16, whatever. <laughs> 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 He's just shocked. I just thought Ghostbusters, officially known as Ghostbusters, answer the call. And marketed as such on home release. Home release, okay. Yeah, okay. So in theater, it wasn't that. Well, I just thought you were talking about like an animated movie. I was oh. like, I'm excited. <laughs> More yeah. Ghostbusters You looked content. at me like, what is that? So, yeah, I was like... Huh? I was thinking, good joke, David. Yeah, <laughs> you're fucking with me. Uh, really sticking with this. I guess I kind of watched it in theaters and then uh, I was done with it. So I watched Ghostbusters. Answer the call. <laughs> Who's calling? No, it's stupid. I liked it. <laughs> I, 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 I described it to TJ... Last night as a good movie and an okay Ghostbusters movie. Uh, I wasn't super impressed with the kind of the, the callback jokes. It was it's hard. I know we got into a discussion of what we call that. Is it a is it a remake? Is it a reboot? Is it a sequel? Like how does it fit in with the Ghostbusters universe? Because there's clearly callbacks to the other movies. Like the State of Marshall Man is inexplicably part of you know New Orleans weird like float like. Macy's Day Parade that they encounter yeah. once the vortex is open. And Slimer's in it. Slimer's in it being Slimer. But you got the Ghostbusters all playing different characters. Right. right. So it's that stupid conversation in love that Paul Rust has where he, he's talking about uh, Bruce Willis in Friends saying, does, does he not walk in and all the roommates and friends aren't like, you look exactly like the guy from Die Hard. Because there's a whole episode of Friends where they talk about like how much they love Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so Bill Murray is not a Ghostbuster, or he has a twin who was a Ghostbuster that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. But, beside the point. I thought parts of it were really funny, though. The receptionist 
bits were funny. The do you like do I look more like a doctor playing the saxophone or listening to the saxophone? <laughs> the logos he draws with the hot dog above the house. <laughs> <laughs> when he rings the gong, covers his eyes. Oh, that's loud. Uh, Liam, uh, not Liam. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is the my favorite part of that movie. Yeah, yeah, he's hilarious yeah. in that. But listening to the saxophone is great too because it's not like listening to a record; it's just him holding <laughs> a saxophone up to his ear. <laughs> yeah. They write the actual Ghostbusters very poorly, I think. Yeah, the, the, the writing was pretty bad. Because it, it felt like like we're going to find the characters in improv. Like, from those characters' backgrounds and Paul Feig and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. The, the, the kooky engineer was a funny bit, but it was the entire movie for Kate McKinnon. And I like Kate McKinnon, and I thought that some of it was, like, genuinely funny and, and entertaining. Mm-hmm. But then it was over the top. And I think that's just how I would describe everyone's performance. Everyone is over the top. Like, they're all caricatures of traits that they thought that people liked from the Ghostbusters, the yeah. original cast. I agree. Kristen Wiig's a little too buttoned up. She's, she's too Egon Spangler until she's too Bill Murray. And, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, Kate McKinnon's closest comparison to the original cast is Rick Moranis. It's strange. Cameos are fun. Uh, it's a good movie to watch once and just kind of check the box yeah. There's so many scenes after the credits. I don't know yeah. if you saw any of them, but there's like four scenes during the credits that cut okay, into don't, the don't credits. They do the, like the dance segment. Yeah, in the in, well, kind of. Like it's the... like in the background. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was probably a really expensive scene film to film that didn't make its way into the actual movie. Yeah, and then the stupid sequel setup, the phone call or the the EVP that Leslie Jones is listening to. It's like it sounds like Zool. What the fuck is that? Are they really going to make Ghostbusters 1 into Ghostbusters Answer the Call 2? <laughs> Please answer the call. Yeah. Pick up the phone already. But that's Ghostbusters nostalgia and childhood movie favorite dashed across the rocks. So I rehabbed it by watching the Simpsons movie. It was great. Yeah. I really like Simpsons movie. Spider pig, spider pig. I feel like it's a return to form from when the Simpsons were great in like the early 90s. They're not too obsessed with playing a joke too long. And they just tell funny episode in an hour and a half, hour and 45. That's well, how I always reviewed it from the, the moment we saw one of the few movies I went on Thursday night at like midnight to see back in the day. And it was a... Uh, I was like, oh man, it's great. It's a two hour long episode where they get to cuss. And yeah. You get to see Bart's dick. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And they get to have like, you know, eight year old or 10 year old, <laughs> however old Bart is, getting drunk. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. I'm just like, there's something about hearing Marge say, like, get off the goddamn roof. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah. Like, I could always watch that movie. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm always, I'd always be all right putting it in. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Putting it on. So yeah, so watch that movie. Not a lot to say about it. It's just enjoyable. For <laughs> other media, for TV, I watch The Challenge. I'm going to reserve judgment because <laughs> it's the first part of a two-part finale. So I love that, like, uh, just the thing I remember is uh, Corey and uh, Nicole. Yeah, Corey and Nicole. They say that they're bad, they're bad at math. Like teamwork and triangles. <laughs> like, I didn't know triangles was a subject, but they are really bad at triangles. They have to solve a really simple Just keep puzzle. Keep drawing squares. It's, <laughs> it's one that you've seen on like Facebook or something, where it's a series of triangles stacked up into a triangle. You have to count how many are in there. Uh-oh. And they were just dumbfounded <laughs> that there could be more than the number that they could count the individual. Uh, the the, the pro- smallest possible. Yeah. yeah. So the producer finally was like, all right, there's 27. He's like, how is there 27? He's like, show me. <laughs> she was like, and they're like timed. So he's arguing with the producer about the number of triangles. Even though she's telling him like, you guys are out of time. Like, get the fuck out of here. And then they paddle boated back to the barge after throwing away their oars because they thought they could get there faster without oars. <laughs> yeah, by paddling with their arms. <laughs> 
They're like doggy paddling on the front like, of the this thing. This is just dead weight. <laughs> yep. Good lord. That's great. So, but yeah, I'll talk about, I want to talk more about that next week when we yeah. record. Um, so a little proper finale wrap-up talk. Sure. And then maybe we'll get a Stranded reunion. I don't know if that's on the books. I would love that. I don't think that they're doing it, though. They all hate each other. That's why that's, you do that's, a reunion. It's perfect for MTV reunion show. Uh, for podcasts, I know we've talked about this briefly before, but I've listened to S-Town. Uh, anyone who's a fan of Serial, listen to S-Town. It is a engaging concept for a podcast. It's almost like the people from Serial were like, shit, we don't know what to do a podcast about. And then they're like, well, let's dig through our emails and see what leads we have. Mm-hmm. And they just found this one like crazy dude's email that like rambled on about climate change and like hidden murders and shit. All right, go pull on that thread, you know, young reporter. That guy is such a star, though. Oh, John, man. Uh, yeah. John B. I'm not going to listen to one episode, but he's engaging as shit. Yeah. But yeah, listen to S-Town. I can't recommend it enough. It'll... It's seven episodes each an hour piece. You know, it'll It take... is also sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. It's you know, at one point they said John B. Macklemore says we have forty five hundred productive hours in our lifetimes. This is only seven. <laughs> it is kinda nice that uh, unlike serial, all those episodes came out at the same time. So you didn't really have the cottage industry that came out of like dissecting each episode as yeah. it was coming out and like invading people's fri- privacy as it was coming out. Yeah. There wasn't like, with the serial thing, it's, like, people were... There's podcasts about serial and, like, BuzzFeed things and, like, uprocks about the real story. Here's what serial got wrong. And it was, like, a family who lost a daughter. And, yeah. like, another family whose son is in prison, like, for life. Yeah. Yeah. They, I feel like you don't have that intensity because they're all done at the same time. They're all out. And it just is what it is. Right. Yeah. But, so, S-Town, listen to it. And for video games, not something I've played, but something I've been meaning to play and have been... Consuming a lot of media about it. Uh, there's a game called. I want to talk to this table about it because I don't know how familiar you are with the genre. It's called Player Unknown's Battleground, and it's basically battle royale. Okay. And I think that's really amusing. It's a guy who created a mod for a video game just kind of struck out and was just like, "Well, I'm gonna make my own standalone game that is this mod." So his tag was Player Unknown. So the idea is, it's you and 99 other people on the internet, and you start in a giant military cargo plane, and you fly over an island, and at any point you can jump out and pull your parachute, and it's an abandoned island with houses full of guns, you know, helmets, Mm. police vests, backpacks, bandages, first aid kits, whatever, and the... Last person alive wins. There are mechanics that shrink the amount of space that you can occupy. Like there's an electric field that closes in, so there's finally like a tiny little pinpoint mm-hmm. on the map. And if you're outside that circle, you're you're, you're killed. And mm-hmm. there's randomly big red areas that are being shelled by artillery that you can't be in, kind of force people to funnel through chokes like bridges and stuff. Huh. It fun. looks really fun. Like Hunger Games. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It, it's. <laughs> That's exactly what it's it, what it is, and I I want to take some time and play it next week, and so hopefully I can report back on it. Nice, it's cool. really kind of blowing up. It's going to be the streamer game of the week for probably a couple more weeks, hmm. and then popularity will die down. Streamers will stop playing, and you won't be able to match make consistently. So I'm gonna try and get it in soon. Report cool video games. Sure. They still exist. Video games. Speaking of Brent, did you play any Skyrim recently? No. Okay. Uh, good talk. I love us. Uh, I wound up accidentally turning into a vampire, and I didn't want to, and so... That, you know, that quest is so irritating. So when I have to, I'm going to have to go back and like do the quest to cure yourself of the vampire, vampirism or whatever, because yeah. it's, apparently I uh, spent too much time and did not cure it, and oh, all, so my, so all my autosaves got used up, so, <laughs> so yeah, there's no turning back. I have to go do the, the 
make me not a vampire quest, and I just don't want to. So yeah. I haven't touched it in six weeks. Nice. Yeah. I'll jump in, and the thing I've been playing, I've been playing shitloads, is I've been playing uh, Persona 3 on PSP. Nice. <laughs> it came out like seven years ago, but with all the Persona 5, it's kind of blowing up as one of the games of the moment right now. Yeah. I never really got into it that much in the past, but it is so addicting, Persona games. Yeah. Like, Almost more addicting than the battles and like the dungeon crawling is being at school and making friends with people. Yeah. It actually made me make a spreadsheet of like, these people are available on these days and here's the requirement and you can spend time with them and, you know, increase your links and other days, like other people are available. Yeah. There's some mornings where like two people, two different people call you on your cell phone. It's like, let's hang out today. You go, oh, who should I advance? <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's... The video game where time management has been the most key of anything I've ever played. Yeah. Because usually with RPGs, you can just spend time and grind. But, you know, time moves on. You can only spend time with this person on this day, and then mm. this the next day. And then it's the weekend, and then the month's over, and your school term is only so long. Yeah. It's just a really interesting game. Yeah. Huh. I've been playing it a ton. Fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested. I feel like Persona 5 might be a game that Kelly is interested in also. So I might, or in a crazy week. But, you know, once we see the light, we might buy Persona 5 and slog through some of it. Because they're like 100-hour RPGs, but it's like a mandatory 100 hours. Huh. Because it's all dialogue, character development, and the combat and, like, RPG elements are kind of secondary to building relationships with people that you're close to. And yeah. there's there's story advantages for being, uh, you know, closely linked with as many people as you can. And Persona 4, famously, like, you don't see the true ending of the game unless your social links are high enough. Yep. And they make you fight stronger because you have better monsters that you can summon. Yeah. And, you know, I find myself, like, doing the bare minimum for the dungeon and wanting to go back and, like, go on a date with the manager of the kendo team. <laughs> or, you know, go to the home ec room and there's the French transfer student that I need to continue to bond with. It's just been a lot of fun. I've been uh, playing it whenever I have time possible cool. at this point. Very addicted to it. Neat. <laughs> I don't watch that much. It really doesn't matter. Um, it does matter. I know. I missed you last week. Get off me. Oh. I forgot the sitcom. I was watching it, like, week to week, and then it stopped on. <laughs> It's winter break, and I stopped too. Mm-hmm. And then I've had like eight episodes to catch up on, so I've uh, caught up with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, nice! Oh, yeah. It's really just a really fun show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was thinking about like why I like it so much. I think it's it's the sporting cast is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, the dialogue is so like spry and quippy. It's so fast. Mm-hmm. It's real fun. Um, yeah, it reminds me of Thirty Rock a little bit. Yeah, and how just it's just constant jokes. Yeah. yeah, and no characters above reproach. There's not like a you know even Andre Brower gets poked fun at, which I like. Yeah, <laughs> Andre Brower is some of the funniest stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Hitchcock and Scully are hilarious too. I don't know why this yeah. Yeah, fuck up is so funny to me. There's an episode recently where they caught a guy because he was on his cell phone. Like, he pretty much caught him admitting to a crime in the bathroom. He was like, I checked all the stalls. You were in there. And just like, Hitchcock was just like, when we poop, we put our feet on the stall so nobody knows we're here. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do you do that? It's so dumb. But yeah, it shows. Continues to be real funny. I'd watch it forever. It's an easy watch. I rewatched my favorite Wes Anderson movie, Life Aquatic, this week for some reason because it's on Netflix. Cool. Same reason I like that movie. I think the supporting cast is fantastic. Bill Murray's great, but Willem Dafoe is hilarious in yeah. Life Aquatic. He's really funny. Yeah. And uh, all the people I don't know the name of are great. <laughs> all the crew members that are just like random randos. Better than Kate Blanchett, I think. 
she's probably the weakest part of that movie. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite like pairings of uh, we've talked about before, where like a pairing of a song and a movie or a TV show. Yeah, one of my favorites is when they have like the uh, the moment of wonder under the sea, and they see like the rare fish. Yeah, and there's the cigarette song that starts playing. Yeah, I love that moment. Yeah, it's got it's not. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite or one of the best tracks, but it is definitely one of the most like innovative soundtracks. The all acoustic Portuguese David Bowie music really really fun and it's got just a great score with Mark Mothersbaugh uh, he yeah from he's from Devo, Devo. yeah Devo. awesome score <laughs> Jeff Goldblum was also hilarious in Life Aquatic mm-hmm. really really funny and then I watched a horror movie from last year a little independent vessel called The Monster mm-hmm. have you heard of this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Directed by Brian uh, Bertino, not Brian Boitano. That's <laughs> why I kept telling Cassandra uh, when we were watching it. It's nine minutes long. It's an A24 movie. It's got good reviews. It came out last year. It stars uh, Zoe Kazan, who's Paul Dano's wife or girlfriend or oh, yeah. whatever. It's not that good. <laughs> it's uh, really had high hopes for it. Can I guess that the monster was... Within. One of the characters the whole time. No, the monsters internally. Is the monsters the monster within us all. The monsters kind of. It was like <laughs> yeah. the monsters real, and the monsters look stupid. It's like ape. It's an ape wolf. I want to call it. It's got like short hind legs and like big. Like its fists are always on the ground, but it's got like a wolf head. Mm. It's not that scary, <laughs> and. <laughs> It is clearly, like, every time the monster shows up, there'll be, like, a flashback to the mom being, like, a bad alcoholic parent. And then the movie has this, like, quote where the girl's like, my mom always said, or I always told my mom demons are everywhere. She said they're not, but they are. They're there to find you if you let them. It's just like... Fucking shit. Stuff all the shit around. Like, god damn it. I'm not a Rami. It was, it was real frustrating to watch. It made $60,000. That's too much. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not good. Elizabeth Moss is going to be in it, so she's probably doing a bunch of better stuff. Good looking out, Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> but it's got 78% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 40 reviews, and I don't know why. Wow. That's it, the same score as Ghostbusters. Answer the call. <laughs> 78? Yeah. Oh, wow. I feel like that would only recommend that movie to people like if you just really like these people or obsessively need to watch all Ghostbusters things. In that case, see it. Which, if you want to watch all Ghostbusters things, skip the animated show because, in hindsight, that show is fucking terrible. <laughs> it is not a good cartoon. I watched the the real Ghostbusters Sorry. on Netflix like one episode, and it was just really bad. So it was interesting seeing uh, the voice of Garfield be uh, Peter Bankman again. Yeah. No, uh, Brad Bertano, Bertino did um, Strangers. That was his debut, directorial oh, debut. I like that movie. Yeah, this is his only other. He's done one that was straight to DVD and then this. Oh, that's the end of him. Yep. <laughs> no more. Once you got the touch of death from the media by us talky talk, yep. you ain't working again. Not happening. <laughs> Sorry, Dev. <laughs> no, we gave him the touch of life. We still, we still want your hair. <laughs> Music by Toman Dandy. Who's that? I don't know. We got a fun name though. So, musical duo from New York. While they are best known for their work scoring films, their portfolio includes music for television commercials as well. Neat. <laughs> well, nice. I think that uh, does that officially end the watch list. Yeah. You got anything else? No. <laughs> if you do, you can say it now. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. And uh, we'll hit some. Uh, I think we have a name for this news segment. I can't remember what it is. Is it uh, Breezy on the Streets? <laughs> Cheesy in the sheets. No one was with me on that one. Sneezy in the wheat. <laughs> Sneezy in the wheat. I'm allergic. I'm not allergic. <laughs> but I just want to talk about some uh, some news from the past week. 
Uh, we got some new, fresh new trailers coming on. Dark Tower! Dark Tower. Oh, yeah. You guys can... I've only really seen the TV spots where they got, like, the five-second teaser. I've seen Matthew McConaughey in it, and I've seen Idris Elba catch ammo in his gun. But that's pretty much it. Gunslingers are good with guns, they, turns out. They did that part well. That really... Yeah. I can tell that they did that well. Does it make you wonder how much of the rest of it is going to be in that movie? I mean, I just know it's going to be a... It's going to be a completely different story. Yeah, it's a sequel it's, to the books. It is not there's, one there's, Oh, really? I don't think they come out and said that, Brent. Have they come out and said it's going to be a sequel? I don't think they've, they've explicitly It is going that. to be, though. Like, as somebody who's read all the books is a big fan of it, it's, it's got to be. It's kind of the only way it can work, from what I understand about it. Yeah, so there's... They're not... Like, as someone who's read the, the books, and I've seen a list of characters in this movie, that's not... It doesn't make sense as a straight adaptation. But it could make sense as a sequel. Yeah. And the way the books work is you, you it would make sense that they could do... It's yeah. in, in sequel form. You have some fun Easter eggs in it. There's a uh, photo of the Overlook Hotel, uh, one scene, and there's also um, a giant, like, it looks like a carnival sign that says Pennywise. It's got some balloons mm. floating <laughs> around, which uh, is more than just, like, Stephen King and Stephen King. <laughs> but, uh,. That's the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower series is about like literary authors being able to like control this universe, kind of to an extent. So a lot of their stuff appears in the Dark Tower stories. So that made me really excited that they're gonna maybe do some of that, even if it's kept within the King verse. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'll see it. I'm definitely gonna see it, and I'll try to judge it on its own merits. It's uh, I, I can't think of it as an adaptation, or else I'll be very disappointed. I think. Yeah. So. Uh, for me, it's just going to be a new story, and we'll we'll see we'll see what it's like. Uh, the trailer didn't move the needle much for me on it. Like it's <laughs> planned on seeing the movie before I saw the trailer, and it didn't make me want to see it more or less. Sure, but I mean the same reason like Star Wars trailers are also useless for me. <laughs> it's not like I'm more excited about Star Wars coming out. Uh, I feel like th- it always ramps up for me when I see a Star Wars trailer. I'm Weird. just. I'm, I'm just never. Like, I'm never like ninety eight percent sure I'll see a Star Wars movie. Yeah, Star Wars is like. Well, no, it's for me. It's different though. It's just like I'm never fully aware that the Star Wars movie is real until I see like, uh, clips from it, and then I'm like, it's real. <laughs> Newspapers have been lying to me about this. Yay! You're like, you're like a baby who thinks he's not there when he right. covers his eyes. Yes. <laughs> 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 All right, and then in other trailers, uh, anyone uh, see the Kingsman trailer? Yep. Yeah. Looks kind of fun. It yeah. came out, did it? I'm sorry, did it not come out like a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it did. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't matter. We just hadn't talked about it. Yeah. I was just making sure I didn't just watch it. the Kingsman. I'm like, this hour and a half trailer is crazy. <laughs> it's a lot like the first movie. Uh, yeah, it looks like, like Colin Firth is back, maybe. Yeah, it's Interesting. Yeah. Hey, I wonder how they're going to do that. If you know anything about the Kingsman universe, you know, it's all takes place in the Kingsman, Kingsman, like the Kingsman verse. <laughs> Kingsverse. So, as somebody, no, I'm going to stop. King, 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 king. Uh, then, aside from that, uh, as far as the comedy goes, uh, TJ uh, told me that this trailer was coming out, but the trailer for The Big Sick came out. Yeah. That movie looks really funny. Yeah, it does. Couldn't mail Nanjiani uh, and Zoe Kazan movie. Yeah. Looks really funny. Is it, uh, I think it's directed by Michael Showalter? Uh, yeah, written by Camille. Yeah. Starring Camille, directed by Showalter. Yep. It's, uh... Ray uh, Romano looks really funny in it. It's got it's the a Rotten Tomato score already, too, so they've put some stuff out there. Or it debuted at one of those festivals or whatever. But the Rotten Tomato score right now is 98%. Pretty high. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Especially for a comedy. It's, it's, apparently it's Camille's, like, story of him and his wife, which is fun. 
I like him a lot. Big fan. I like Ray Romano too. He's in it. Abra. <laughs> Abra. Brother's tall. <laughs> While we we're talking about trailers, uh, I don't, this isn't a trailer that's been released yet, but it's uh, they've announced that it's going to uh, <laughs> the wind speeds like like two or three two or three days later. So by the time this podcast hits the air, you might be able to go watch the uh, Blade Runner trailer. Yeah. Blade Runner twenty forty eight. Yeah. Chris and David want to argue about what it's actually called. <laughs> So it's 2049. <laughs> I actually think it is 2049. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> with me today. So it's weird nowadays that they, they release the trailer for the trailer. Yeah, the, the five-second teaser yeah. for the trailer coming so out. So I saw like, so an, like an eight- or nine-second trailer for the Blade Runner trailer. But it looked pretty good. There was some, like, the visual, the imagery looked uh, looked really cool. So it intrigued me. Yeah, and I'm gonna always be on board with whatever the director Denis Villeneuve oh, does yeah, going forward. Yeah, after Arrival. Uh huh. And it's Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. Yep. 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 Speeding along, I can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet, but HBO has announced officially there's going to be Game of Thrones spinoffs. You figure, of course, there's going to be because it's so uh, so successful and lucrative for them. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like turning down free money. Yeah. If they don't. I mean, they're going yeah. to. Yeah. It's going to be so lucrative. I thought it was funny. They've they've more or less confirmed four different spinoffs. Uh, George Martin is attached to two of them. <laughs> yeah. Anything to keep him from writing that book, I guess. Yeah. Well, Chris is kind of our in-house GOT expert, I feel like. What's the short story about the tower that... I don't know. You told me about it, though. You know what I'm talking about? The, the yeah. tower that uh, Hodor and the kids are hiding in when all oh. the shit's running around? Oh, yes. That There's a short story on that tower that okay. always sounded interesting. Yeah, so do you have any, like, it, so that's something you'd like to see one of them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just little history on little pieces of the universe would be real fun. Yeah. I think Aegon's Conquest would be fun. Aegon's oh, Conquest yeah. would be fun. Uh, Robert's Rebellion would Robert's be fun. Rebellion. Mm-hmm. I know on, on our group chat I mentioned that I would love to see the Dance with Dragons. Like the Blackfire Targaryen civil war that happened that oh, yeah. really yeah. weakened the bloodlines of both. Also, and this is kind of a book spoiler, but the John Connington, Young Griff stuff, I would love to see something about that because it doesn't look like the show's going in that direction, but that remains to be seen. I'd kind of be interested in like some of the background of setting up what happened in Dorne because I feel like the show kind of just goes to a deserty soundstage for a couple scenes a season. Yeah, and I hear that it's like a really interesting part of the books. Yeah, they're basically like Russia of Westeros. Yeah, where they've just like never been conquered. That's why their slogan is "Unbowed, unbent, unbroken," mm-hmm. because you know they've never sworn fealty to any king then they just the guerrilla warfare and you know invading armies would find the deserts too harsh to keep their soldiers replenished they just like straight fucking killed dragons when they would come and try and conquer like firing arrows and like killing them by like nailing them right in the eye Dorne's cool it always sounded interesting when I hear from book people about Dorne and then I don't think much happens in the show about it other than you see the guy who can't walk (laughs) and then he dies (laughs) and that's pretty much it (laughs) Well, there's also, I always thought it was, it's, I mean, you're, you're telling a story, so yeah. you pick a setting. But we have Westeros, which is, you know, our Western Europe. You have Essos, which is, you know, all the surrounding Eastern European, Northern Africa. Mm-hmm. There are two more continents, at least, in Planetos, or whatever they call, like, the whole planet. Yeah. I would like to see, you know, like a Marco Polo style, like what else is in Westeros? Because there are characters who they've referenced who've done that, who've done those voyages, hmm. and have been to all of the lands and planets. Yeah, the, you pretty much have carte blanche to do whatever you want. Um, uh-huh. Daenerys' right hand woman. 
What's her character name? Misande? Yeah. She's from the, like, islands to the south of yeah. Essos, right? South America, essentially. Some island down there where yeah. pretty much just go get slaves. That's, like, all it is. Yeah. Uh, and then I know that, that Euron, Greyjoy, or I forget if it's Euron or Victarion, one of them has basically spent the entire length of all five books so far just sailing around the world, picking up cool magicians and, like, adding them to his boat. <laughs> like, yeah, like, there could be a story about him, and apparently he's, like, collecting, and this is all sourced from the books, but just, like, collecting, like, Valyrian swords as he goes along, which are really important. Yeah. Uh, That's what I hear. Yeah. So they have, there's, they have a lot to pluck stories from if they want to do spinoffs on characters, houses, different time periods. I don't know if we'll, they'll be so bold to do a, like, an epilogue season after the events of Game of Thrones, whatever form that will take. I guess we'll find out after the next two. Maybe we could have like a kid's show like in the style of Bob the Builder but Bran the Builder. <laughs> or you could have the, him building the wall. You could have the children but they're not very not really kid safe. Because <laughs> they're pretty freaky. I thought there should be a Game of Thrones like how to potty book. <laughs> Did we make that happen? <laughs> sure. And then last, tiny little news segment, M. Night Shyamalan officially announced that he's going to do a Unbreakable sequel. I think it's called Glass, or a working title, that unites the uh, Split and Unbreakable films. Bruce Willis is going to be in it. Yeah, yep. I'm interested. Yep, Split was good, Unbreakable was good. I'm on board. Yep. Cool. Spoiler alert, I think the guy from Split is the beast that's referenced in uh, Unbreakable. Yeah, that's the, the word. Alright, I haven't seen Split. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't either, and that doesn't really spoil anything for me, because I don't really... So, <laughs> Yeah, you could be using different words, and I still wouldn't know what you're talking about. Different <laughs> yeah, language. That's Ichabod. I mean, yeah, from... it's essentially the yeah. villain The villain in the bad thing in Split is referenced in Unbreakable. Yeah. Okay. So, if it's a spoiler, that something bad happens. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody uh, knows about it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Do people believe that person? <laughs> Up to interpretation. Okay. <laughs> Real inception ending here. <laughs> so that's pretty much it, though. That's yep. uh, what we've been watching and uh, what's been happening. <laughs> yep. It's the what pod. So this is Talkie Talk podcast for the Media by Us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter at the Media by Us. Email us via themediabyus at gmail.com or our Facebook groups. Movies, by us. TV, by us. And games, by us. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you for any podcast topics and subscribe to the pod and give us all the ratings. I want to say thanks again to the Willow Walkers for providing intro music and thanks will be in the show notes for whoever does the outro music. Could be you! <laughs> probably not. Listener, but probably not. Unless send you have something free. Send us your jingles. Send us your jingles. We're an outro jingle. And anyway, I am David. Uh, I want to say thanks to Chris. Thanks. Thanks, TJ. Bye. Thanks, Brent. Mm-hmm. And thanks you, listener. Thanks you. Thanks, thanks you so much. Thanks you. Using the King of English. <laughs>